So it's wonderful to be with you guys. I think last we were here about two years ago, and um, just wonderful to see what God is doing here, just hearing, seeing what's taking place. And even what Chad, what Chad shared now, he said, you know, often I've done that as well. You know, you share a story in order to inspire faith and stir up faith in other people in terms of giving, and you feel, oh, I'm going to lose my reward, but here goes, you know. When I'm... But actually, you're multiplying, Chad, what you did and by doing that. You lay down your own reward, potentially, I don't know, maybe the Lord will still reward you, um, but by sowing, you actually sowed seeds of faith there into people and to their hearts that they will multiply in their, what, their generosity of giving. So well done uh, for doing that. It is good. You know, Hebrews uh, thirteen seven says, imitate your leader's faith. And so that is an act of faith that he did there. He could have done with the money and he gave it away willingly, open hand. Uh, and, but in order, he used it to teach you guys and to take you into more. But we've got this morning, we've got a, a very exciting moment of bringing on a new elder into the life of this church. And the other three guys have served so well over the years. Uh, the BBC, they call themselves, Benny, Bob, and Chad. Um, I don't know what the next acronym will be. And uh, the new BBC. <laughs> so, and it's a special moment. So I thought I'd just do a small teaching, if, you, if you'll allow me to do that. And then we're going to, I'm probably going to a time of worship. Then I want to share, share another short word, if I can do that as well. Um, but we, we, we talk about elders and, you know, and often you need to tell people why. You know, if you tell, Jesus said, come and die. And, if he's, and he told us why to come and die. You know, what's, what's, not what's in it for us, but why should I lay my life down? Well, he laid his life down, and he had a vision for what he was doing. And so he imparted that vision to us, you know. So when we come as Christians and uh, say, Lord, I want to come and die and live like you did, live in Christ and get resurrected life within me, and uh, there's, a, there's a vision for that. Jesus held up, you know, that we have life within us, rivers of living waters thro- flowing through us. Um, he warned us in this life that there would be trouble and there would be hardship, but take heart, you know, I've overcome this world. And take heart, there's a, there's a new world coming, there's a new earth coming, new heaven coming, and uh, we're going to live with him in eternity. So he lifted our eyes up to a vision. So when we say come and die, what, what's the point? You know, just go without and just be miserable and, you know, it's just hard and... And then, then what, you know? Well, there's a lot of what. And, uh, and Jesus stirred something in us. And, and in, um, it's Ecclesiastes, says, uh, inside every person, there's eternity is laid, is, is laid up inside everyone. So even the unsaved people, they know there's an eternity. You know, I'm on some, um, uh, what do you call these things, Facebook groups that are not, not Christian groups. They're like, like maybe a sport group or something like that. And if someone dies, every put, everybody puts their... R.I.P., rest in peace. They, they know that person is somewhere. And so the, the majority of people, probably not atheists, it's probably agnostics. I don't know if there is such a thing really as an atheist. I think because inside the Bible says inside everyone there's a knowledge that of God. And they, they may not worship the living God and the real God, Jesus, but they worship something, sport or business or pleasure. In some form, they've got, there's an outlet of their worship. Um, because we were created to worship God, as Isaiah tells us. The purpose of your whole life, the, why you were created is to worship God. Not sing songs, that's an aspect of worship. But your lifestyle should be one of worship. The way you live your life, presenting yourself to God, acknowledging God and everything, and recognizing that He is the Creator. He is a loving God. He loves us dearly. And He wants to have a relationship with us and to walk with us and journey with us. So this morning, I want to... I want to try and shift you and your understanding, because that's what leaders do. They influence people. 
And we want to influence you towards Jesus, not towards ourselves, not towards church, but towards Jesus. And we're talking about bringing on an elder. And what's that to you? You know, what's the elder going to, what's, so, so what? Is it just for him to have a, a position, John, just to have you know, some sort of title and rank? And, and uh, what, you know, why, would, why would we ordain an elder? Why would we do this? And there's only two offices and functions we see in the Bible of ordaining, where there's hands laid on someone, and that is for deacon and for elders, and it's for a purpose. There's a reason why um, that we do this. And it's, it's actually for the benefit of you. And to bring glory to God through his life. It's, it's not for him to have prestige and honor. It's for him to come and be a servant leader, to lay his life down and put himself second to you. And Jesus said, you know, that uh, he's called us to be shepherds of his sheep. And he's given us a trust and to look after his sheep until that day when he comes to get his bride and to fetch her. And he's going to come. The Bible says we must encourage each other while we see that day approaching. And one of the Peter things, one Peter, he said, we can actually speed up the day of Jesus coming back. No man knows the hour or the time, but by our actions, by our presenting ourselves, by living our lives in such a way, we can actually speed up the return of Jesus. It sounds crazy because that's how God partners with us and he, he works with us in this time. God doesn't work in a vacuum. He's always, all through the, the, all through the Old Testament, New Testament, he always raised up leaders for a purpose, for a reason. To, to look after, care for his bride, his bride, and to take her in to the, the purpose and the plans of God. We see in John, did you, they get all the scriptures. They, they got everything? You're okay? You got everything? Okay, good. Can you put up John 21 verse 15? And three times, well-known scripture, um, when, Jesus speaking to Peter. See, when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. And he, we know that he asked three times, and the next one he would say, care for my lambs. And he says again, feed my lambs. And so there's a re, one of the aspects that we, that we bring elders, and God wants elders in, in his church and to care for his church, is to feed and to care for his church, to look after it. We call it to be gatekeepers. In the Old Testament, the, the elders would sit at the city gates and watch who came in, and they were protectors of what came into their, their cultural environment. And in the same way, spiritual leaders are called to protect the body of Christ, to, to protect it from what? Well, we've got an enemy who prowls around looking to see who he may devour. And sheep are amazingly sheep. They are sheep. John actually has got sheep. And they're pretty sheepy, aren't they? And um, sheep don't always have the understanding of what is right and, what is right and wrong and what could harm them. And so, so there's, there's actually an anointing that comes on elders for the sake of the sheep. For your sake, the anointing will come on John. When we lay hands on him, there will be an anointing on him in, for God to work in him and give him wisdom and knowledge and understanding to protect you and to care for you and to shepherd you well. And it's an amazing trust. It's, a, it's actually a very scary thing to be an elder because we've got to give an account before God one day. Hebrews 13, 17 says that the leaders are going to have to stand before God and give an account for what, how they've led. We can't live your life for you. We're not between you and God. We're not, that's the old order of priesthood. We're all priesthood of all believers. But we do have a role to walk ahead of you by example and to lead you towards Christ in a better way. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me, he said, as I follow Christ. 
So there is that. You're going to stand before God one day and give an account for your life. You are going to have to do that. You're going to stand before him. He's going to, he's going to ask you, Heinrich, how did you live your life? And let's look at your whole life and how you lived it. We will give an account as elders for how we led you. So we've got a responsibility for you. But again, as I said, we can't live your life for you. We can't control you. We can't rule over you. All we can do is, is advise, uh, point you towards Scripture, point you towards the will of God, and we're there to help you to make decisions in this life and to live your life in such a way that it, that it pleases God. And I'll show you Scripture for that. Guys, I, everything I'm using here, I'm going to back up with Scripture, okay? And if you want to challenge me afterwards, please do that. I'm quite open to being challenged on anything that I say up front here. Because I could be wrong. I know that. I can, anybody, any, any leader can make a mistake. And I could get it wrong. But use Scripture when you do challenge me. Don't just challenge me on your emotion or your thoughts. And I think, because I've had guys do that, and it doesn't wash. Let's, we've got to stick to the Word of God. And that's our ultimate direction and, and boundary for us in how we live our lives before God. I mean, I've been a believer for 41 years now, and I've spent a lot of time trying to find the will of God for my own life and to help be a good leader. Because one day I know he's going to say, Russell, how did you lead my people? And I'm going to have to give an account for that. That's why I've never understood how people can say they only want to follow Jesus. No, they want to follow a leader. And I think even this morning, right now, I'm trusting some of you get healed in your, in your understanding of authority um, your attitude towards authority. We're living in the Western society is very individualistic. The Jewish society was very much us. They saw everything as us. Um, closest we've probably got to pure uh, godly society is probably African culture. In our, in our, and maybe there's other cultures around the world that also live like that. The African culture is very much us. You know, and it's, if, if your life affects my life. And Western culture is very individualistic. I've seen parents boast about raising their children to be individuals. It's not a biblical statement. Biblical culture, you know, it's a lot of the cultures that we actually think are right. And so all we know is Western culture, many of us, is actually some, many times not very godly and doesn't reflect God well at all. It's very individualist, wall around my house. This is my house. And, you know, I'll come here just to hear the word of God. But when I, I'm my person, I'll live my life the way I've, I want to live it. Whereas Jesus came to die, he is equal to the Father, but he came and he made himself low. He lowered himself. And, you know, we, we esteem people who are strong. And I've come from the business world, I've, in the corporate world, and they really acknowledge and they respect, you know, strength and authority. And the type of leadership we're talking about this morning, it does require strength. It requires massive courage to be a, a Christian leader. Massive courage. Because you've got to go counterculture all the time. You're going to lead people where they don't want to go. And often it's good for them. The sheep don't always want to go where it's good for them. You actually got the perfect elder coming on you. He understands the sheep <laughs> better than all of us. <clears throat> and, and we've got to acknowledge sometimes that we, we need elders. We need, if this is God's idea. Leadership and elders, it's in the Word of God. It was God's idea, not ours. We didn't say, hey, we want to, we want to be elders and you know, this is man's church and We've got to acknowledge that, that this is Christ church. Let me use some more scripture for a, um, Matthew 16, verse 19. Um, I will give you the keys, again, Jesus talking to Peter, of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so that's an awesome authority that, that Jesus is handing over to Peter 
who's about to fail miserably. Because you think, but these are just men. John's just a man. I've seen him make mistakes and get it wrong. You will. You have. You, he's going to. But Jesus trusted a man who was about to fail spectacularly. In fact, all the guys that were going to take the world by storm and we're going to break Christianity out all over the world, we are here today because of those men who failed terribly in the beginning. But as the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, God filled the Holy Spirit, they were empowered, and they served God in a massive power. We are, we are called to serve God in a, in a place of authority. And it's, I actually trembled the authority that God's given us as leaders. It's serious. I mean, I've put people out of the church according to 1 Corinthians 5 before. And then let me tell you, when you stand up to put someone out of the church, you, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. You're handing them over to Satan. You're cutting them off from the body of Christ. And we call, and a, and a proper church will do that. A church walking in the truth of God and the ways of God will do that. But it's not to be nasty and horrible. It's because you love them. And God tells us to do that because He loves them. He wants them to really go. If you're going to go and, I've told you, if you're going to sin, go and sin properly. Don't half do the sin thing. Go and sin properly. Go and find out how disgusting it is so you'll come running back to God. I met with a young man recently, a 20-year-old, who went into parents or leaders in the church. And um, he's a 20-year-old, cool guy doing a degree at, at university. And he got very caught up in the world. And he said the thing that kept him was the fear of God. And he's repented of all that. He's gone back to his parents and repented to them. We walked him through. It's a massive turnaround in his life. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says. And we've got to present, you know, in fact, I might be jumping the gun. Because in Acts 20, um, Paul says to the Ephesians elders, I never hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Because I would, you know, we love, to, it's so nice to speak about just the one aspect of God. How he loves you and the mercy of God. And we have to present that. How merciful God is, how slow he is to anger, abounding in love. You know, he takes his our sins upon him, and it's, it's incredible, this God that we serve. The love that he has for us is unbelievable. We are, as I was saying to the leaders yesterday, you, you are so expensive. Do you know how expensive you are? You, the, you, the cost of Jesus is life. The blood of Jesus, that's how expensive and precious you are. But we have to proclaim the whole will of God sometimes. And so as leaders, sometimes you have to take and, and say things which are very difficult. You know, when you say, who's going to get up and tell the church that we're putting this person out of the church? Everybody doesn't want to do the job. And it's normally after begging and pleading with that person of praying for them and going the extra mile to bring them and appealing to them, don't go there, don't go there. You're going to get hurt, sheep. You're going to get hurt. No, I know better, I know better. I, you know, just saying, um, who was I talking to this morning? But so many people have gone... They've shipwrecked their lives over there. I think it was you, John A. Um, so many people I've watched over 41 years shipwreck their life, unserving God anymore, angry, bitter at leadership, angry at the church. Near the early church, you had one church per city. You didn't have to be the church of George. It wouldn't be Joshua Generation, Hope Church, this church, that church. It's only because of the way things have gone and culture and things have splintered, and it's not ideal. We know that. The ideal would be one church per city. And they knew that if you got put out of the church, you were put out of the church. You know, you put someone out of this church, they'll go to the church down the road and just slip right in again. But in spiritual understanding, what you've bound in heaven, it will be bound on earth. They can go to another church, but it doesn't absolve them what God has said against them. And, you know, unrepentant sin we're talking about. You know, people are binding and loosening in this day and age, and 
Even when Corona first came out, beginning of last year, there's one guy, big name in America, abandoned Corona. Corona has ignored him. Because it's that, read out of context. It's in the context of church discipline. You read in Matthew 18, the binding and loosening. It's not just random going around binding and loosening. And we, we work a lot in the area of deliverance. Yes, you can bind the strong man in, the, in an individual's life. But you can't go binding and loosening spirits all over the world, you know. The devil's still a prince of this world, according to God. He's still got the time that he's got his little reign. God is still over the devil. He cannot go outside of what God says. But he's still got influence on this earth. It's not heaven. Heaven is coming. The revelation tells us one day you'll be in heaven. One day there'll be no more tears, no more sickness. One day. In fact, I've just mentioned it, Matthew 18, 18. You can put it up, please. Um, I truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And that's talking in the context of church discipline, where if someone sins against you, go and show them their sin. If that doesn't work, take others with you. If that doesn't work, it says take it to the church. I always wonder how people who don't go to church, who are not part of a church, not, this is not going to church, by the way. This is a part of the church life. This is not the, the church life. Church life is Monday to Sunday. This is just a good meeting where we come together to worship God and get equipped to go out into the streets tomorrow, go into your workplace to take Jesus to the lost and dying world. You know, this is not, this is not church. This is part of church. And, and so I always wonder people who don't believe in going to church and part of church. The early church, they, they thought you couldn't be a Christian if you weren't part of a church. That was the understanding of the early first century church. And we've got so loose about it today. I only follow Jesus. I don't trust, I only trust Jesus. I don't trust any man. But funny enough, Jesus trusts man. In his brokenness, in his mistakes. Jesus, I trust you, Peter, to, to give the keys, Peter, the revelation of who I am, Jesus Christ. And on this rock, my, who I am, you will build my kingdom. He's entrusted us with the kingdom. Yeah, church, he has the kingdom. Run, build the kingdom. And I'm putting leaders over you to help you to do that. We're equal to you guys, by the way. We're just saints, just like you. We're just sons and daughters, just like you. We've just got a role to play in this life, a function in this life that God's given us for the sake of his church, not for the sake of us. It's not about us. Titus 1 verse 5, here we go. Uh, this is why I left you in Crete, uh, Paul speaking to Titus, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. You've not got a proper functioning church unless there are elders in place. And normally a plurality of elders means more than one. There's no senior pastor here. Senior pastor Chad. <laughs> we, call him, just, we call him a lead elder because someone's got to lead the team. But the elders are here to govern. What is their purpose? Their function is to direct the affairs of the church, to um, bring church discipline and doctrine. Not every random person can just bring doctrine into the church. It's one of the things we have to guard and be so careful. We're living in a, a very dangerous information abundance age. There's so much information, so much people can tap into and listen to. And we watch some of our guys listen to, you know, you, on Facebook, it's very interesting. You see what people put up there and they, who they're quoting and, and watch this and, and thinking, sheep, why you, please don't go there. Don't watch that stuff. Don't let this into you. That's not going to help you. It's not good meat. It's not good food for you. It's not going to bring nourishment and health to your life. So that's the why. And then the what. Let's go to 1 Peter 5 verse 
1 to 4. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, a shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, not because you must, but willingly, because you want to, because you recognize that God's called you into this. As God will have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, Jesus, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So we've, we've been entrusted with you guys. God is trusting us with your lives. He's saying, here's my sheep. Look after them, feed them, care for them. Lay your lives down for them. Don't lord it over them. Don't boss them around. We're not called to do that. We're called just to give you guidelines, to show you the word of God, the word of truth, and help you. We'll be there alongside you, walk with you as you journey in this life until the day that the Lord calls you home or us before you, whoever goes first. And we've done that. We've, we're a highly pastoral model of church. But what I mean by that is we've got a lot of elders for how many people we've got because we want the elders to get in amongst the sheep. And Paul says, as you, you saw I lived amongst you, you must see how we live amongst you. I've seen churches where they've got one elder per thousand people, a program-driven church. What's your problem? Yeah, watch this DVD. What's your problem? Okay, watch this, watch this teaching, you know. They're just... Everything's just watch to watch other teaching. Where elders are the one, you know, the majority of, of what an elder is supposed to be is a man of character. Out of the 13 qualifications listed out in 1 Timothy 3, only one is, a, is um, gifting, function, uh, of teaching. must be able to teach. You've got to be able to teach you the fundamentals of the, of the Word of God and of truth. But the majority of what are we looking for in an elder is character. Who are you? We'd rather have people who are not so gifted be elders amongst us and those who can get up here and wow you with amazing truth, even raise the dead, do amazing miracles. But we want guys who character. When you, because you know, there's an impartation of person, not so much impartation of words. I've sometimes listened to people, and they're amazing. They just wow you with their knowledge of the Scripture and the Word, but their character stinks. We saw a renewal of the, you know, in the 1800s, we saw a renewal, a restoration of truth of the water baptism, the Baptists. And then in the early 1900s, the Zuzda Street revival, um, where there was, there was an outbreaking of, of uh, pouring out of the Holy Spirit again. Um, and, and then we saw the Pentecostal movement birthed out of that. Then in the 1940s and 50s, we saw the charismatic gifts get restored. We saw big names like Catherine Kuhlman and A.A. Allen and William Branham do serious, genuine miracles. But all of them, those three I've just mentioned, there are many, many more. I mean, they were proper miracles, eh? But all of them had serious character faults. All of them. And people lost, they, you know, they were knocked around and beaten by that. I won't go into all the scriptures because for time we, we're running a bit. Um, but I'll just pull out a scripture here and there. Uh, and let's this, this go to Acts 20, 25 to 31. Uh, Paul, he calls all the elders in, in Ephesus to him, and he's talking to the guys before he goes, the final time that he'll speak to them. And now, are you able to flip quickly into the NRV? Is it possible, or is that too much of a mission? Too much of a mission. Okay, I'll use the ASV, don't worry. And now, behold, I know that none of... Of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink back 
from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And elders are charged to do that. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. Um, and a scripture I want to pull out from there is that the Holy Spirit, he says to them, has made you elders. And this morning, as we pray for John, we believe there's a continuation, a thread for 2,000 years of this church after church, and, and ordination has taken place over the years, my, my own life many years ago. Um, there's been a passing on of the baton of eldering. And the Holy Spirit has raised John up today. He's been recognized by men, but uh, revealed by God. And there's something of witness in our spirits. Yes, we can see there's a calling on his life, but God, what are you saying? There's been a witness in our spirits that God, the Holy Spirit, has called this man out to be part of the leadership and to be an overseer. The Bible says, watch over the sheep. And the Holy Spirit has made him. So we're going to lay hands. we just the messenger boys here. But, the, but God will recognize what we are doing, as he, did, as he did all the way through Scripture and all the way through time. So the Holy Spirit is making him an elder this morning. The Bible says don't be hasty. Don't, be, don't quickly lay hands on someone to be an elder. It doesn't mean you know, you've got to go like slow motion. But it does mean that they must be tested. And you know, is this guy genuine? Is this the real deal? Let's look at his wife. Let's look at his families. And how does he run his household according to Scripture? And is he someone that we can say, yeah, we feel safe with him? He will look after the God's sheep well. And we believe that we're witnessing that today. We've seen that evident in their lives today. Now, your response, you've got to respond to this. We're not just playing games and having leaders here. This is a godly moment. It's actually a holy moment that we're going to be experiencing in the next few minutes. Well, you've got a response and a place to play here where that you would respond in a godly way. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders. And oh, that doesn't go down well in modern times. Obey who? Some man. Who's he to tell me? You know, well, God says he is. If you, and I hate playing this card. It's a horrible card to play. But you're actually going up against God's if you take on, if he's, if he's in the will of God, if he's heard God and he's bringing the, the, the heart of God, like Paul said, I proclaim to you the whole counsel of God, I'm innocent, then you've got to be careful of going against that. I, I don't want you to fear man, and I don't want, you know, like I said, we are all equal, but if he's really bringing the heart of God, then take it very seriously. Take it very seriously. Danny's not just a random person to speaking. And some of us need to, and your, you know, 1 John 4, 20 says a very interesting thing. Because I see this happen so many times. People say, no, I recognize God, I, I obey God, but no man will tell me what to do. And But the Bible says, how can you say you love God you've never seen? If you can't love man who you can see. And the same with authority. How can you say you obey God you've never seen? If you can't obey God's appointed leaders who you can see. But understand, they've got to be godly. They've got to give, it's got to be not just their random, they feel having a bad day and 
hurt, you know, and, and, uh, and, and people have been hurt by leaders. They have. There's some of you guys who are sitting out today, you have been hurt by authority. It could even be from your childhood. And you've, you've managed to, you've put coping mechanisms in place and you've learned how to play the game and how to get through life. But even today, you might be in a dangerous place that you haven't fully submitted. Because you can't submit to God's leaders, you're actually not submitting to God himself. If God has truly raised these guys, we've read scripture now, we've used scripture. I'm not trying to give your opinion here. You can disregard my opinion, my perspectives. It's fine. I don't mind that. But I'm trying to present you the word of God. Don't go against God. I've had to deal with this. Every man is, and men are probably more so than women. You know, who's he to tell me what to do? That type of attitude. But, you know, it's based on relationship. We should know you. We should have a bridge of trust. And I touched on trust yesterday with the leaders. If you've been hurt in the area of trust, get healed today. Right now, in fact, get healed. Don't, don't waste a minute. I don't, be, I don't believe in wasting a minute in this life. You, don't, you just don't know when you're going to not have another minute. Don't waste it. Because you're going to stand for God. And if you haven't dealt with things this side of eternity, you're going to have to deal with them that side of eternity. And your reward will, and Jesus said, lay up treasures for yourself. He encouraged us to do that. I was sharing with the leaders yesterday, I had quite serious COVID at the beginning of the year. I was in ICU there. When I arrived, and the, the matron said to me, welcome to the COVID ward. You're either going to be home with Jesus, or you're going to go home to your family. So I said, okay, I, I didn't have the strength. I, better, I thought I'd better record farewell messages to my family. I couldn't do that. I was so, so weak. I, my sat, any medical people here, my sats were at 60%, a double pneumonia. They looked at my x-rays. My son's mother-in-law got me into the hospital. She took my x-rays. She said they didn't think I was going to make it. I'm here by the prayers. I think I really believe I'm here thanks to the medical personnel. But I really would emphasize the prayer side of the healing that took place. I shouldn't be standing here like I am um, virtually free of everything. But I had to weigh my life up at that point. I said, okay, Lord, this is it. Here I come. Am I ready? God, search my heart right now. I thought of Andrew, who leads our church, you know. And I've walked with him for 23 years. And when I met him, he was a hippie. He had hair down his backside. Um, and there are times when I've struggled to follow him. Because he's so different to me. But I, the Lord just kept saying, but I've put him here to lead, not you. And he, But Lord, he's never been in business. He doesn't know. Yeah, but my anointing's on him. Submit to him. It wasn't always easy, but I chose to do it. The heart is where your center of your will is, where you make decisions. You filter God's commands through that. And so I said, Lord, I'm going to bow my knee to you. And the expression of that will be to Andrew. Do I agree with Andrew all the time? I don't. But he stays within Scripture. I noticed that very clearly. He stays within the confines of Scripture. But there's always gray areas, and he wants to go left, and I think we should go right. I said, Lord, I'm going to get behind him. And he has, a, he has something key. The Lord showed me this. When Andrew, go, when Andrew makes a decision, you don't agree. You get behind his decision and you make it work. And when if it goes south, if it fails, you go down with him. But Lord, I want to step over here and tell everybody, guys, Andrew, I told Andrew not to do that. I told him not to. I knew this would happen. No, you don't do that. You go down with him. You zip it and you go down with him. 
Because when he goes up, you're not, you're not going to make a big noise and say, you know. It's like a marriage. Jenny's had to go down with me. We've lost a house in business. Paid off cash house. Age of 40, come to Cape Town, start, press restart. Buy a house from, we're still paying it off. But she, she went down with me. And she's gone up with me in 40, 40 years, married next year. And it's like that with your leaders. When you follow them, they're going to make mistakes. But if God chooses to trust them, trust is a choice. Following is a choice. It doesn't come naturally. Your flesh is going to scream and shout and not want to do it. But for your sake, not his sake, it says obey your leaders because there will be no benefit to you if you don't. I did get that right. I hope. Second part. No benefit to us if we don't. You know, you think, oh, just making Chad feel good if I'm following him. No, no, it's actually for your sake. God's testing your heart. Will you obey him? I've called him to lead you, not you. You're going to disagree with him. But will you be loyal? Will you be faithful? Well done, faithful servant. When you... I've only been in two churches in 40 years, 41 years. One in Durban, one in Cape Town. Have I had reason to leave? Many times. I said, Lord, you've put me here. I'm going to fight for this relationship. The Bible says strive for unity. Fight for unity. You're fighting against the spiritual enemy, not the person that you don't want to be in unity with. There's going to be many reasons why you want to leave this church over the next years. Many. But you're called to fight for the unity. Fight for, fight for your brother. And I, and I said, Lord, Lord, have you put me here? Because we just get a whim. I don't like this church. I don't like the music. I don't like the halls. It's too noisy. There's too many kids. Let's be mature. The Bible says, what, the reason the five, I'm part of the fivefold ministry in Ephesians 4, I'm part of 4.12 and Josh Jen, and the reason that I exist is to help you to come into unity and maturity. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians 4. So are you mature, Christian? Guys say, oh, I've been a Christian. Look at my gray hair. I've known the Lord 40 years. But you poke them, and they've just done year one 40 times. You can know the scriptures backwards, but if not, it hasn't taken heart, it's not rooted in your, in your heart, you're actually a baby still. Other guys get up and storm out when I'm preaching like this, just using the word of God. They don't like what they're hearing. They don't, I want to go and hear a different word, please, you know, something that will make me feel good and suit my way of thinking. Let's squish God's word into my way of thinking and the way I want church to be. We said, Lord, we, we, we're called to revolve around God. He doesn't revolve around us. Lord, what is your will? And how do we make it happen? That's, so that's our response. So let's pray. Well, let's, let's, we can all stand together. You've been sitting too long. John and Kanye, if you guys want to come up here. And I thought it would be nice if your boys come and stand here, Benjamin and Timothy as well. Because you're going to ex- have to also pay a price, you boys, um, for your parents being in ministry. My, my sons gave a speech once at my 60th. My older son said, he realized, when he's speaking to all the people, he realized very early on that he has to share his father with other people. And that's what it's going to be like for you boys. Um, you're going to have to share your dad and your mom with others. And you're going to pay a price too. So we're going to pray for you guys too. Why don't the elders come stand with us, Jenny, and their wives, please. We're in, the, in this together. We're going to lay hands, and it seems like just an ordinary little human uh, impartation, but it's actually a 
deep spiritual impartation that the heavenlies would even recognize right now. So, Father, we just thank you for this moment. Thank you for this couple who've acknowledged the call on their lives and are prepared to serve you. They have served you faithfully for so many years in, in ministry, and they've laid their lives down time and time again. And, Father, we just pray for them right now that as we just lay hands upon them, Lord, that there will be an impartation and an anointing from you to be and to walk in an eldership anointing. So we release them now, Lord, to serve your body and to love your body, to feed her, care for her, protect her with all authority that you've laid upon them right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray this. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 <laughs> yeah.